Welcome everybody to the Faking Notes Podcast, podcast. boy. It's the podcast. We're still here. And girl, we're cooking. We we love you all. Mm-hmm. And so today we we did our usual thing. Happy to talk to you. We 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 yeah. talked a little What's bit the about usual technical thing, Trevor? things. The usual thing is we got some little technical things. We got some dumb jokes, and then we've got some nice tangents mm-hmm. about some semi-interesting subjects. So today we talked a little bit about <laughs> DAWs. <laughs> Digital audio workstations, yeah. like that's the technical side of recording yeah. yourself. It's how we record the pod. It's how we make music. So you might be interested. Uh, what else we talk about, Drew? It's good. Good information. I, look, it was just kind of one through line. I, I think I we got to a point that I really liked where we were both kind of like vulnerable and a really, in a way that we've rarely been, but I think we could often. We, we could do more of. And we kind of talked about like the fear of creation, the fear of like, you know, building an the anxiety. I talked about like, you know, being black and having such a big audience and, you know, a lot of people that are in other countries, I'm their idea of what a black person in America looks like. You know what I mean? And that's really... I didn't realize that until recently. <laughs> so as, as people are emailing me from other countries, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So, and then we also talked about being type B. Yeah, being a type B, being a little beta. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Being I mean, a beta I, I, with an alpha body. Being, um. <laughs> with that alpha alpha playground. Um, no, but being vulnerable because everybody experiences this. You know the the doubts, and I think it's important to share those too. How to combat them, and from pulling in from success stories from others who have overcome this, and then mm-hmm. just being open about the things we still deal with as artists and mm-hmm. creators, and wanting to be the best. And we, yeah. we kind of follow that conversation where it leads us, and we just like always want you guys to stay safe. We're going to be shouting mm-hmm. out a lot of our artists over the coming weeks as we lead up to uh, our first full year of the pod, of our weekly podcast, and yeah. the launch of the inevitable season two. And so, so uh, make sure you other. put on your gloves, hit the toilet, you know, sweep up, start mopping the kitchen. It's time, you know, it's time to do some chores uh, or settle down with, with, that, with that ganja. And we're going to have a good conversation. We love you all and sit back and yeah. enjoy. Be safe. Yep. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. All of the different DAWs each have their own little quirks, and some are great. So how I describe it to students. So if you want to be a DJ, a producer of house music, EDM, rap, anything, like a great a great thing to do would be to just go with Ableton uh, because you'll, if you're collaborating with a lot of people, you don't want to be stuck with Logic's Mac specificness. Like that's the big downside of Logic is working with non-Mac users. Conveniently, most of us are Mac mm-hmm. users. Um, another quirk uh, with with Ableton is it's definitely the best for anything live. So if you're mm-hmm. on your end, if you're going to start doing some weird stuff live, or really... I am. If, I am, Like, dude. if you're doing, like, loop pedals, <laughs> simple things, there's yeah, Logic and yeah. Mainstage. Uh, but the moment you get to where you want to manip- really manipulate stuff live, it's Ableton time. Because mm-hmm. it's it's the best at that. But the Ableton, the first... Mm-hmm. Ableton might be the most fun and the most fun to be creative in. I think it is. 
just watching Jeremy. Oh yeah, because you can you can get to things sooner. It's laid out with live in mind in that everything mm-hmm. is meant to be easy and understandable. Like you could mm-hmm. figure, you could be in a live situation and maybe learn something new and try something new. Like every mm-hmm. instrument looks the same, every knob <coughs> looks the same, everything is programmable mm-hmm. the same. I will say the first ten percent of learning Ableton is probably really hard because it's not logical until you get used to it. Mm-hmm. Like the learning curve, it's really steep at the beginning and then really easy beyond that. It's the easiest to learn after the initial confusion of jumping in this program. Logic, it's kind of like a nice steady curve. It's pretty much the same at the beginning, at the end. Uh, it, it scales well. Um, and for me... So why, why, yeah, are we, why are we talking about this? Why we're talking about this <laughs> is because uh, Mr. Ford had to have a, a pro oh, tools experience. A, oh my God, dude. <laughs> It's jam. ongoing. It's a. It's it's a. It, it's like I'm starting a new relationship, and that relationship <laughs> takes a lot of my money every month. So we gotta we gotta figure out the uh, the subscription hack for you because you shouldn't be paying for a program you're probably going to use just this month and not again for another six. Well, we'll see, dude. The way they're talking, they're talking like there's a lot of really good stuff on the horizon. Like we're like I, I might be okay. You know what I mean? It's just like this is painful. It's one of those good. It'd be good to know. Maybe we'll we'll go splitsies. I just have to figure out if that's NTK. possible. Yeah. 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 Um, because I've done that it's before. Okay. Not many. Now that I have two computers, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be less mm-hmm. likely. But for some things like Pro Tools, uh, so Pro Tools mm-hmm. for now we're in full DAW mode. Logic, <laughs> it Logic's like 80%. It's like an eight out of ten on everything, which is why it's. <laughs> Maybe nine out of ten. Like it's very good at a lot of things, but it's mm-hmm. not the best at anything. And mm-hmm. for a digital audio audio workstation, like that's kind of what you're going for. It's your workhorse. Uh, you might not have the nicest tools at your bench, but you have one of every tool. There's nothing you, you can't can do. Put in something. It. Yeah, you can, you put can do together. a film score. You can make beats. You could do live stuff with main stage. Uh, you can record a podcast. You can edit your audio, clean it up, do anything. It's all there. It's the, one of the cheapest, if not the cheapest, of the professional grade ones out of the box. Uh, there's no starter beginner version of Logic. You you pay the $199. It's the same as everyone else. And it gives you everything. <laughs> and you don't need a lot more beyond that until you get into like professional tier where in the margin matters. Cubase. Uh, film people, it's probably a lot better at handing, handling massive projects. That's why you see Hans Zimmer and a lot of these film people uh, and top-tier producers use a Cubase because you can do it on Mac and PC. That's one perk. But everyone I know who does it, we're talking 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 tracks in one session. It's great for <sighs> managing huge stuff, which is why it's perfect for film, where you're using a billion sample libraries with MIDI and then doing live recordings and then mixing it all together. Uh, that's that's where Cubase comes in. So that's probably less likely for most people to bump into. And finally, mm-hmm. Pro Tools. So Pro Tools is yeah, kind Pro of an Tools old a- relic of the past. And it's very good at some things. It is 10 out of 10 at some elements of audio. No one, I don't know really anyone who uses it as 
MIDI or even if that's a thing. I'm not super familiar with Pro Tools. Yeah. But a lot of the studios, mixers, if you're working in film and someone's mixing your tracks with recording, a lot of recording is done in Pro Tools. And part of that is like a lot of other softwares is that the older generation used those. They were early in the game. They were the pro tier early in the game. And so, you know, you if you if you learn something really well and you know it can do the trick, you're not going to learn another software that can do kind of the same thing, particularly if you're older. Like you've spent years of your life on one. It'd be kind of like if you devoted tons and tons of time and energy into Adobe Premiere and then you figured, uh, Final Cut might do this thing a little better. Let me relearn in depth an entire new software program. Like maybe younger generation for flexibility wants to do that, but I can't imagine. It's it's hard to sink in time to do that. Think about I think about me with notation programs. I got a a good grasp of the other ones, but I put all this time to Sibelius. So until I see enough in a new program like Dorico or Finale. I'm not going to fully jump ship until the investment of time learning a new program far outweighs uh, or, or like the benefit of that far outweighs the learning cost. And so what happens, though, is with Pro Tools is that all the studios have it. It works on PC. Uh, at some point in the chain, things are going to have to go to Pro Tools. So if you're young and you learn Pro Tools, you have an advantage because even – even the older generation, they don't even want to be sitting on it. They all use it. So you learning Pro Tools is a perk because not everyone's going to yeah, do it. I think it is. I think at some point I'm going to have to learn it anyway if yeah. I want to be in the recording world. So it's like one of those hurdles that I just didn't while I'm trying to learn other stuff. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> the problem. There's so much, Trevor. I'm trying to build this coaching business. I'm trying to. Uh, trying to practice viola so I don't so I could actually trying work. To, trying to look fresh. Stuff happens. Again. You're trying to look fresh, try, dude. Do you see the results? The, the playground's coming back, dude. dude. That playground, dude. He's got he's got it all. There's a slide like he's got a spirally slide. It's beautiful. You don't get any burns going down this slide. You come out clean on the other. Oh yeah. The other oh baby. Looking like looking like Andy Dufresne over here. I don't even know who that is. Who oh, is man, that? that's a Shawshank Redemption reference. Oh, man, I must have. Uh, it's a, that's it's a been beautiful a while film. You have it. to. I love it. We love just it. revisited it. It's one of, it's, oh. it's in, in my top 10, even though Morgan it's Freeman. a stock one. Because Morgan Freeman crushes it, the monologue. Yeah. But it was really nice oh, yeah. after all of this talk we've done. Uh, thinking about film and now learning more about editing and what cinematography mm-hmm. actually means instead of just saying, yeah. oh, I like the cinematography. No, to actually know what it means. Uh, yeah. I've gone back and watched some great films. Of course, the most recent Parasite, I rewatched it after mm-hmm. watching hours of videos about it. And I went back <laughs> and watched Shawshank Redemption. And it really, it it's true. It really Sorry. does speak to the value of knowing things <laughs> and and for appreciation we we won't delve into it but the example of music theory doesn't sh- and should not detract from your enjoyment of music it's still music in fact it enhances it if you can kind of see it's not really an understanding oh how things are made like what camera did they use like i'm not super impressed with that but how did they move no. the camera how did the shots develop over time yeah what were the shots yeah. yeah and like oh like throughout this whole film they've been slowly moving in and then at the end was the only time they went to handheld shots and it creates a franticness and like all these little details 
while subconsciously you can kind of in tune a lot of that while you're listening, while you're viewing a film, it's the same with the piece. Like you can, you don't need to know all that to enjoy the piece, but I think having an understanding helps you enjoy it more. So I was watching for, in, in all these films that I'm revisiting, yeah. I've been like looking out for those types of things. Like this is a dialogue scene. How did they edit it? Were they doing the two older, the shoulder, shoulder thing, never crossing the 180 plane? Uh, was it panning slowly? Because <laughs> there's ass outside the one, 180 yeah. plane. There's just a lot of ass. Booty. Just a lot Sweet of ass. Sweet booty. But these little, these yeah, detailed things. <laughs> and what was nice, particularly with the parasite, since it's recent, uh, to have seen it only once in adulthood, watching all the videos and then reviewing it. I don't know. It just really stuck to me that, hey, like watching all those videos wasn't a total loss. It was very enjoyable revisiting art after understanding and that I appreciated them in both viewings. I kind of like going into a cold, which sticks to one of my things that I do with music. I don't read program notes before I listen to the piece. Oh, really? I picked that up from my composition teacher and he said uh, something <laughs> along the lines of, I don't like it when composers lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> like they tell me That's the pieces true. about something. And it's just like, I don't I don't trust them. I, I want to listen to okay. it. And so I start yeah. to do that. I don't open the program until after I've heard the piece. And then you're like, yeah, I felt that. And then or or like, I'm like, oh, yeah, they shit. whipped that up after the piece. <laughs> Because <laughs> someone was like, hey, you have to write program notes. Hey, what like, what oh. does this mean? Yeah, hey, what does this mean? And you're like, oh, fuck, oh, dude. Okay, so like, so a squirrel uh, fell in love with a dog. And then they, they had a baby, <laughs> and then a Nickelodeon show called Squirrel Dog came out. Oh, yeah, and then it was all the rage, and then... <laughs> and then Squirrel said that, like, pro-Nazi thing. It was a little weird. And, uh, yeah, got and then canceled. I had to tune it out. And then they had to spin oh, off yeah, with canceled. the dog and Rosie O'Donnell. And we know how that all went down too. Oh, and then a, an account popped up on Twitter <laughs> and is now uh, pretending like none of it ever happened, right? Yeah, we call the squirrel dog deniers. Yep. Yeah, they, they're at, they're among us. Thank, be, be aware. Thanks for this this journey. So so how are you doing other than getting projects that require you to download uh, yearly subscriptions to new software? How are things going? I man? know, right, bro? You know what? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling optimistic. It's a little unsettling just being in the crib all the time, though, man. And I'm not saying it to be complaining because like the crib is very dope, mm-hmm. and I love the people in it. I just like, I feel like my life is on pause, but I know that everybody's life is on pause. So that makes me feel a little bit better. Isn't that but the, I want to, I want to see people. Is that everyone yeah. is, that's what's odd. Cause you'd feel guilty about that pause, but we're all in, we're literally all in this pause together. Like everything has stopped. And that's, that's, so I don't know it like if it feels comforting, if it's, a positive and negative because I get bummed when I'm not moving but how's it for you for me here's it's for me look dude I'm a maniac okay <laughs> everybody out there I am a maniac, maniac. I have issues <laughs> and those issues drive me to succeed I have issues of fear of trying to become like a loser 
like I, I fear becoming a loser. So like I really try to adopt habits that prevent that future from coming to be, you know what I mean? So I, I'm going to be okay after this quarantine because I'm reading, because I'm trying to build a business, because I'm trying to level up. Uh, but what I'm, what I really want to want people to know is like, you don't have to have that grind right now. And I'm trying to tell myself that too. Like, I think I'm gonna need a couple of days, just like not do anything and just exist. Uh, and, and just rest. And I think that's going to be Sunday for me. <laughs> I love it. And on the seventh day, man. It's hard. didn't do shit. <laughs> I didn't do shit. I just want to like call my friends on some real, on some real shit and just talk. I was talking to Albert Chang yesterday. Mm-hmm. Talked to him for like a good hour, two hours, man. He's doing great. Like he's, he, he's like building, he's building up his room. He's like, he's got an album that I, I, I listen to. Is it fire? And it's, it's so fire, dude. It's so fire. It's so good. I can't wait for it to come out, man. So I love that. It's it, it's yeah. nice to because we don't know how long this is gonna go on, but it is nice to have the option of of either both rest and hustle mm-hmm. because we've been unwillingly given this time to do things. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my uh, friends, she's a great composer and actually like a delightful uh, human. Sorry, Mary, Mary, and so she wrote an article for New Music Box, which is the big one of the big composer kind of outlets, blogs, papers, digital Mm -hmm. digital papers, and uh, I don't remember the title, but it was along the lines of like I'm at uh, I'm a composer artist actively choosing not to make art during this time. Oh, I saw that on I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, and so she's great. She's she's a I wonderful saw, person. We'll we'll Twitter. bring her on here yeah. at some point. I'd love to. Uh has a great yeah. great story and still just such a bright bright person. And so she I I I got to I skimmed the article because I'm taking a break. As an artist, I choose not to read about other artists talking about their art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's but, fair. But she's that's fair. Uh, yeah, just as a little joke, but uh, yeah, I really respect her, and I like that she did that. Just kind of coming out and saying, like, "Hey, you don't have to hustle," and not only in kind of like a mm-hmm. not an anti-capitalist sentiment, which a lot of people have voiced, saying like, "Hey, why do we have to hustle for every moment?" Um, she's not even saying that she was literally honing Mm. in on the art aspect being like, Hey, we don't have to always be creating, (laughs) particularly in a moment like this where real world settling in is not. Yeah. Where, uh, you're trying to survive. Yeah. You're trying to make sure everybody love is okay. Like, like think it's important. The cavemen were drawing on walls, but they also had to eat. They had, to, they had to protect their yeah. families. <laughs> it is saying something, though. I always stick to yeah. that. I love that example of the old, our old past Neanderthal, early Homo sapien compadres, uh, is that they had to do all these things just to stay alive, right? We didn't have a refrigerator. Yeah. You had to track mm-hmm. down food. You had to survive the winter. You didn't know how germs work. You barely knew how fire worked. You're making tools. Um, you're a couple genes away from monkeys. Uh, and that was 1,500. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like last January. 
<laughs> that was pre-enlightenment. Enlightenment, you know? Oh, that wait, no, that was January 2016. That was pre-Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... It, so while they're dealing with all of this, like the the need to survive, a lot of which we've stripped away, automated away, and just herd solved away with our, our development of civilization, they still took out the time to make paintings, figure out how to make paintings, how to make tools to draw, how to make flutes, how to make music. It is it is a key part of our identity as a human species to make cuz you get bored as fuck yeah and a lot of but they now had we to got netflix yeah. so actually <laughs> tiger yeah. king came out <laughs> maybe that's how we we're going to judge this time it won't be a period of corona it's just we now no longer need to make art to survive cuz we got netflix like we dole that out that's to true. a select group of people <laughs> you, you subscribe to it the human civilization you know we all share one mm-hmm. password in america mm-hmm. one login and we just go in, consume art. We don't have to make it anymore. We don't have to survive anymore. Well, you're a consumer. You're a full consumer. And I've been thinking about this, and I may have mentioned this in a, in a podcast form. But when I was working on the ship, I became a consumer for one of the first times in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I, I was working so hard, <laughs> three shows a night. Like, when I wasn't working, I wanted to chill. Like, when I wasn't exercising, when I wasn't focusing on my diet, when I wasn't reading books, I was, like, consuming. I was gaming. I was watching these movies. So it shifted the way I got into a blue-collar mindset. But if you want to, like, succeed, you have to have a white-collar mindset. You, you can't have a clock in and clock out. You got you to be about that life, son. Interesting. It's different. It's different. It's different. Until you can hire people. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) I do sometimes, and I'm sure a lot of our, almost all of our artist friends bump into this. Sometimes I do worry about losing that ability to enjoy things. (laughs) Not from an understanding or a critical point. Because I enjoy thinking about these things. Like the example with your Shawshank and your Parasite. I enjoyed learning about it. And I got to have a taste of it since I just rewatched it uh, two days ago uh, mm-hmm. to ha- have full on recent appreciation of when I learn something about it. And when I approach something with a critical eye that I can enjoy it even further because of that knowledge uh, the, the the hard part that bumps in though, is when something might not be as pristine <laughs> as a parasite or it's some other art form where maybe I know less it is hard to turn off the critical ba- brain. And I've heard people talk mm. about, uh, you know, oh, it kind of ruins it for me or I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't know. I do worry sometimes when I'm watching things. It's I have to re- remind myself to switch into Hey, the I know how to do mindset. it, bro. Let's hear it. I know how to do it. Wait. I knew I was going <laughs> to say that. I knew it. I was waiting for bro, it. Bro. I didn't want to say Bro, because <laughs> that's that Juilliard brain, dude. Weed, it just, it reverts you back to, like, this childlike wonder and curiosity for the thing. And you no no longer have to just see how to do the thing. You could just sit back and enjoy the thing. Mm -hmm. And I had never experienced that in my entire life until I started smoking. And then I was like, oh, 
sometimes the thing is more important than how it's done, right? It's the sum of the parts. It's the flaws. It's like, you know, going back and listening to Bill Withers, listening mm. to his voice. He wasn't a Rihanna. He wasn't a Chris Brown. He wasn't a trained singer. He was a folk singer, but it wasn't the quality of the voice. It was like what it was saying and how it was said. You see, you hear that in James Brown too. It's how that that guy was singing. That you gets know? into, I guess it's. I get confused. They're different. I think. I think. I think everyone. A good example of that is a Bob Dylan, to where he wrote mm-hmm. so many songs and is famously not a great for, singer for the white people. <laughs> yeah, for that, I had to throw in a, a white people reference. I was throwing the black the be- examples. The Beatles, back in the Beatles and the the heads uh, of the radio, radio heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why Elvis wh- Presley? White it up. Oh yeah, white it up. The gotta, gotta white this up, folks. Sounds about white. But, but Bob it's just Dylan, a difference of what you're growing up listening Bob to. Bob Dylan, okay, it's funny cuz I didn't listen to any Bob Dylan growing up. Uh, or and, and no one I know even cares about it, but he comes to yeah, mind as like is the typ- the prototypical example of like being a his list of songs he wrote and that were sung yeah. by other people and sung by himself are super mm-hmm. super famous, and he's always mm-hmm. uh, given such a hard time of he's not a singer, like not that great at it. The voice isn't really yeah. special, but we, yeah. we love the songs. It was about the content, and then having the yeah. artist himself. Sing it was special. The reason why I say that is because even so, in my undergraduate mu- uh, music history class, we talked about Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Like he came up in my classical music education. You Sounds know who didn't white. come up? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who didn't show up? Like, Stuff Smith. What mm-hmm. the Stuff Smith? <laughs> One of the most in, inventive v- string players. He was like the Louis Armstrong of violin and he was a brother. Right. And nobody talks about Stuff Smith. It's, it's interesting what gets placed in and out of history. Because there is, yeah. there's gatekeeping, and there's obviously some there are active participants to blame, and then a lot of like passive institutional things. In that, a lot of teachers are taught what they were taught by their teachers, who were taught by their teachers, who used some book. Yeah. So if you didn't, and make they were all white people, book, and it was all white people, and if you didn't make the first yeah. cut, that first book, they weren't talked about, and they weren't interested. So a lot of them didn't grow up uh, on that, and how would how would they know to even? It, it's not an active choice to avoid these things. They just wouldn't know uh, about these things in the past and wouldn't even know to look for it. And Rachel Barton Pine is doing a really great job uh, of like with her work and in, in trying to compile uh, mm-hmm. etudes and, and etude books of African-American composers that have just kind of like gone undocumented, unpublished. She's trying to like create these workbooks and stuff. Like she's doing really great work, uh, you know, partnered with the Sphinx organization. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think there are people that are doing this, but I think like, I feel a little bit of a responsibility. Like when I go and as a public figure, I need to learn more about like black music and black culture because like not many people are like, 
talking about it <laughs> in the in these classical music spheres when a lot of influence especially in the 20th century can come from a lot of these black artists you know and so. there's a, there's a couple i think it started by rob deemer and some others there's one big one called like the composer diversity mm. project and i think it's evolved into something else like now it has institutional support but it mm -hmm. initially just started as a giant google sheet that contain <laughs> like a com wow. list of composers and works uh, That's by incredible. diverse folks. And it was huge, like th you know, 3,000 plus entries. Uh, there's <coughs> a, a few others, I can't think of the names, but there's one, there's like a website with like, mu even music theory examples mm -hmm. to where it's meant, it, it's just like uh, you know, music by diverse people and it's like specific for example so that even when you're teaching uh, something like a music theory or music history mm -hmm. you can see and use examples that aren't just Beethoven and Mozart there's so much man and I think that I was just having a meeting with uh, somebody that was taking this business seminar with me her name is uh, Tammy Lee Hughes and she's out in Atlanta and she's trying to make kind of these concerts that share, you know, African-American culture in the classical setting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, we were just talking about just this this morning. So that's why this is on my mind. It's not just like, I'm not quarantined in my room going, black power. You, but wait, I'm also like, oh, nah, I mean, that's what I'm doing. kinda. I'm just in the <laughs> I, dude, my daishiki is in dry cleaners <laughs> right now. I'm I'm picking my fro out, as you can tell. Like my hair is busted. I look like I'm about to. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what is it? Uh, it's not social. Uh, civil disobedience in terms of like not going to my barber right now. Like that's how I'm taking my stand, being black and proud. I'm not going to the barber. But uh, but yeah, man. I don't I don't know why I brought that up. I just think it's really important. It's like a public figure. I need to really, 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 really be careful about how I present myself, you know, as, as a member of the African-American community, I got to make sure that I'm responsible. And that gives me a lot of anxiety, well, you know, when I think about it. That's the, that's the know? toughest part. And I feel and like, uh, like to, to all of the whites listening, <laughs> listening, listening. Uh, and like that's something like we we never have to do, we never have to like 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 think about it. even if it's even if it's a small and the percentage changes, but in any experience, mm -hmm. remember when you go on a, you're a kid and you're going on a field trip, and that little yeah. teacher you're about to go in the science center or the museum or whatever or the amusement park, yeah. and the teachers uh, they, they pull teacher. you aside and they're like, hey, yeah. you represent Startown Elementary School. So go in there yeah. and, you know, don't embarrass us, you know, yeah. be behaved so that yeah. when they see you in your little elementary school t-shirt, they're going to think, wow, yeah. those kids are so well behaved and, you know, don't embarrass me. And I want to be well behaved. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, I guess, I assume going through life like that, like you're, you're constantly in, when you go into different spaces, having to represent mm -hmm. because you might be the sole African-American in the orchestra and so there's this pressure of like oh i need to Bro. represent i've never once sat there and be like oh man i really gotta i gotta be be good today and represent the whites you know <laughs> can i tell you what it was really like bro yes. can i tell you what it was really like 
uh, I used to always see the black kids going to the principal's office. It was just the black kids. Uh, the black kids were getting sent to time out. The white kids would like get a warning or whatever. So I always knew that the leash was shorter with me. And I always had to be extra attentive, extra good. My mom also was like, look, and she told would tell me this at home. She'd be like, look, you were black. Like you, you can't just slack around. You have to be better than even some of the white people if you want to succeed. And my granddad, who passed last year, used to tell me that, too. He used to march with Martin Luther King. I had adults telling me this. all Like, look, you are a king. You are a descendant of, you know, Lonnie King Jr. You are my son in my house. We don't raise riffraff. You don't have any... You don't, you don't get any leeway. We are not going to allow you to be a loser. <laughs> and that's how I grew up. <laughs> and like that pressure so builds up. It, that pressure builds up. It's anxiety you know? and it can be crippling. And that's something I never had to experience. It's not like my family had money or any like history to live up to. It's like, hey, be decent. But it wasn't like uh, you're going to soil the family name and you have to live up to anything. But I was never once told like, oh, now you're going to go in here and like you got to represent the whites. <laughs> like that, that pressure never... Uh, would have occurred to me in childhood that I had to go out and represent anything at any point yeah. in any time. And yeah. even if it's a small percentage, that's still eating in the back of your head. And speaking yeah. to the shorter leash, they had studies of this, of course. Like all these like little studies of things add, adding up. Like we're naturally afraid mm. of darker things because of like night danger. Yeah. So that's like mm -hmm. that's one percent. Throw it in the pot. That's still a one yeah. percent increase in badness. And then mm. they did a survey. I can't remember. Uh, just showing headshots and things with police officers. What, are the, what does it tell us? That naturally they assume the age of African Americans are older than they are. Like, yeah, like dude, we get big. Thing. We get big early, yeah. man. But hey, even this, small, but, you it, know, <laughs> that's why you also why you hear about these awful things where they're like beating up and arresting like little twelve year olds, and it it stacks in. <sighs> they look like they were sixteen, horrific. dude. They were they were already dunking. Yeah. <laughs> Like I swear, it's they'll like, break your ankles on the court, man. You gotta be careful. It's just like, dude, we gotta, we have to try him as an adult. He can, he can dunk. Like, just he's breaking bones. If that's the case. I will Tib always be tibias in this bitch, man. We gotta be careful. I will always <laughs> be dangerous. tried as a minor if that's the case. If dunking is the, they don't think they don't they think the whole world. No, these bat these uh these police officers think the whole world is like the basketball court. That's just how they see everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. That's double dribble. Drop and give me 10, you know? <laughs> Straight to jail. Like, that's how it goes. Straight to jail. Yeah, get in the back of my car. But the the that short was, at least, uh, we have... That was up and down. <laughs> we have the data on these types of things. Your stops and frisk. Like, every, just across yeah. the board, there's just, like, little things. And we're always talking about, like, percentages of increase and in chances. Like, all these little things on their own might not make a huge difference. But they all stack mm -hmm. together. And so if you add 1% to 1% to 1% to 1% to 1%, uh, suddenly, you know, you're multiple times more likely to have bad effects, uh, to have the, the system work against you. And yeah. it's harder. And so you have to – it's glass ceiling. You have to, you know, work twice as hard to just mm -hmm. get the same thing. 
and it's because it's fighting against these little perceptions and percentages. So a big thing in classical music, I think it is turning around because we're getting a younger generation that thinks about these things Mm -hmm. are slowly getting into positions where they can choose that. I thought about these things actively as a teacher. I tried to use examples, even in just, you know, boring dry music theory, uh, specifically music by women, by people of color, or of different genres. Like, okay, we're talking about a sequence. Here's this example. Okay, we're talking about this form. Kendrick. And it wasn't like a... I always tried to make sure it wasn't in like a gotcha, like, hey, I'm cool. Uh, Like old people use the Beatles and Radiohead and all music theory. Mm -hmm. They're like, look at this. Isn't this great? And uh, um, even if they are interested, I tried to always prevent it in a very... or present it in a very serious way, not just as a, hey, music theory can be fun, but no, like, hey, I'm using this because there are more than just dead German white guys. Ooh, dead German white guys. Hmm. I think that's a bar. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor, I think that's a bar. I think we're going to we're going to we're going to call it that. What I what I did want to say though is yes, I mean I I've only recently been re kind of uh resurfacing and thinking about being black. Uh, cause I'm fortunate to like live in a time where, you know, I'm not really in a constant danger of being hung up on a tree, you know? So I get, I start feeling myself and thinking I'm an actual person. And then I look at Twitter and I see that, you know, people are getting arrested for wearing masks Mm -hmm. and being black. And it just reminds you, oh shit, I'm different. Right? So it's just cyclical. It's fine. I don't really worry about that. The anxiety comes from, okay. When I remember that, I also remember that I have an audience of 121,000 people. Many of them are young. And many of them are still formulating their opinions about the world and, 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 you know, how they fit into it and, like, how we want culture and society to really, you know, form it. I don't want to be a dumbass. I don't want to be a person Mm -hmm. who has, like, a bunch of followers and I'm I'm stupid you know what I mean and I and I say stupid things and I make people believe stupid things I don't want to I gotta be careful yeah especially with this pod dude so I'm just like I'm trying to level up my uh my ability to be a communicator I don't think you're doing a great because you're actively do it I'm just like so fortunate that I don't have to I mean, there's, there's, you, you've at least out of a negative situation, a stressful situation, extracted positives. Yeah. You, you've lived, you're yeah. living up to stuff. You're, 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 and then I think that some people, because it's so easy for uh, white people, yeah. for the most part, yes, things are hard, but like we don't have the, we don't have the baked in yeah. stuff. We don't start. Yeah. We don't have to start at the the starting point. We, you know, we get we get to hit from the blue, the the white tees. I gotta come out nice. We get to so. drive from the white tees, so we're all going for the same hole, but it's not as far. Uh, golf joke for Ooh, good for the golf whites. analogy. Yep. I think I kind of. Hey, it was the perfect. You you know your hit audience. The ball. Yeah, man, so we hit brilliant. it out there, but it's true. Like it, like even even if you start off poor, all these other things. Just there's just some things you don't have to deal with, and one of those things the stress is that I don't have to. I know I don't have a big audience. I know they don't need to like look up. Like no, not many people. I want you to have modeling their life off me. And there's a lot of perks of that. Why people can kind of go through and be average all their life because of that. So 
for some, it can be yeah. very detrimental having to deal with that anxiety you deal with of having that audience. Yeah. And then some, it, it, I mean, not some, it's going to be both simultaneously. Like It's going to be good. A hard it's part, but you've at least spun it into a positive. It's like, hey, I have this audience. I have to live up to it. So, you know, there might be yeah, that voice in your You got to earn it. Like, hey, don't do the mm. stupid thing. And I don't have that voice because yeah. I, I can get uh. I can get away with the stupid <laughs> thing. Like, don't say that, don't say that, say it. Oh, I said it. <sighs> Not the right time. Oh, uh, I apologize. I mean, it will happen and I will make mistakes. And I, I just hope people know that I'm doing my best. I just want to say that you'll make mistakes too, Trevor. Oh, yeah. All the time. And <sighs> even the time, lo- looking at my, my past growing up getting in trouble here and there, doing well here and there. I, I love looking back and thinking of, like, why did something or what did thought go into this <laughs> before the brain fused? Oh, my and God. And also what, so what I got away with, like, what I what I got away with um, growing up, like, that others would not get away with. And some of it's just benefit of the doubt. Some of it's just because of who I am and not having to deal with these barriers is nice, but I will give credit to you for taking what could be a tough situation, spinning it to a positive. So if you guys can't tell what he's saying, you know, he's reading books on business about he's trying to improve his life. He's still exercising. He's locked up in a in a point. And, you know, you get to be you can be both funny, silly, uh, in shape and well read simultaneously. I, I mean, I thought that was like supposed to be the baseline mm-hmm. of what is expected of us, right? Like, I don't know. I, I just want to, I want to feel like, I want to feel like those successful people that I see all the time. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, when you see successful people, I learned it when I was in college. I had somebody say, you know, if you do what you do, you'll get what they get. And like, for, for, you know, for a dumb 20-year-old kid who's in college trying to figure... I was like, wait a minute. Wow. <laughs> the pre-stoner Drew was like, that's bars. Holy crap. If you do what you they do, they'll, you'll, you'll get what they get. So, like, if you are always watching Netflix, talking to girls, you're going to have a lot of girls in your life, man. You can have... But are you going to have money? No. <laughs> So I was like, what do the people that have money do? And then I started looking on the internet. Thank God it existed. I started looking on the internet. I discovered like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I discovered like Kevin Hart. I discovered like uh, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I I mean, so many like (sighs) mega successful people. And I just looked at what they did and they were always exercising. They were always, you know, they had their days planned out. They never had zero days. They were always working. Bad snacks, shout out. Say bad no snacks. Zero days, bad, bad snacks. snacks. Uh, she just dropped a new album, so what bro. I, think we'll do, I listened we'll to wait. it. I listened to it. It's so good. Straight fire. I've been seeing all the videos. Oh my god, Jesse. All, Jesse. Man, all of our all of our guests on here are thriving. So what what I think we'll do, Jesse. and then we'll, we'll we'll circle back to this. Is I think we should. Yeah. Um, just during this quarantine, use our platform on the Faking Us podcast and then promote some of our faking fam. I think leading up to our year, we got to. leading up to our year, uh, aka season two, we're still in the talks of, of how to go mm-hmm. about this season two drop. 
um, the mile marker of a year of weekly podcast. Thank you all the fam. I think we should promote all of our guests. Just the whole yeah. time, just talk shit about. We'll just pull all it up and be like, <laughs> Matt Bell. I Matt hate Bell, tattoos. if he wasn't, oh my gosh! Oh, did you know he's a he's a redhead? He, they should Bro. be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's. I was literally just talking about him today. He was. He responded to my. Uh, Instagram story about reading books. He was like, Sam Miami is like one of my favorites. Dude, <laughs> freaking love Matt. Oh, it's great. But all of our artists are doing these, these great things and thriving through this time and making the best of it. And we also just want to help them out because they come on here. So I think mm-hmm. we'll promote that. Swinging back, we're bringing it back to the idols. It's, uh, uh, we, we've talked about this recently of uh, looking in at what the, in quotations, the greats, or successful people, learning from them, modeling after them, and seeing how they approach things. It's very beneficial. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, yeah, like one of the the, the two best things that happened to my life, um, going off a hunch, would be both books and the internet. When I was a kid, I would I didn't even get good grades. <laughs> uh, I, I could tell I was kind of smart, uh, even though I was very lazy. And I could get away with it because I was white and um, went to school in North Carolina. But I read all the time. I was obsessed with reading uh, fantasy books. I was, it was, I guess, a part of an escapist thing. But I would read books about the weather. Mm-hmm. I'd read books on snakes and birds. And then I'd read read all the Redwall series. This is why yeah, we're the same I person, read all these, bro. I read all these nerdy fantasy things. And I think it was escapism mm-hmm. from my life because it didn't quite fit in. I wasn't super big on friends all the time and not reclusive sense. But Mm. I think the internet uh, was the biggest thing. Internet and books were the biggest things that probably kept me from being draped in a Confederate flag right now and still being, Uh, uh, (laughs) it's it's true. Joining the clan. For me, yeah, it's like if I didn't read or have the internet, I'd probably have a really pointy hat right now. And it'd be a very different podcast. That's the that's the that's the material. Oh my god, dude! It would be the Daryl, the Daryl. Uh, what Roy is it? Roy Jones Jr. No, it's Roy Jones Jr. Oh, he is he is a podcast. great he's a great. That's oh, what it'd be. Okay. I, I love him. Hold on, what is it? No, Daryl Davis. Is it Daryl Davis? Head of the Daryl Davis yeah, podcast. Yeah, he would have been like he would. I had have a poster on my wall if I didn't have books or knowledge because I got to learn so much through that. Uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get good grades till I had a really bad teacher. She was just mean, and I was very lazy, and that wasn't a good combo. I didn't do my homework, so I had, I was getting C's in like the fourth grade, and I had one. I actually give credit. I had one mean teacher, and I was so like lazy. Yeah, <laughs> one, one mean awful, teacher. She was really happy awful, about it, and I gotta give her a lot of credit because I had such a bad experience uh, with this teacher that I just Darryl didn't Davis. want to. I'm pretty sure my motivation for good grades was not. Like, oh, get good grades. It was literally, I just didn't want to have a bad experience with another teacher. So I, like, did the minimum to always get A's. So from then on, A's, Mm. I did book club just to hang out and to see how well I could do without really reading the books. Uh, Like, all these... All these mm-hmm. uh, other things I think I did <laughs> was because I, like, in a not in a passive aggressive sense, but in a passive sense, and I like uh, rem- uh, to keep away from conflict. I 
did really well in school from fifth grade. I mean, why, 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 why do you feel I've actually been talking to a lot of guys mm. recently. Um, you're not the only dude that I've talked to recently where we're having to learn how to like con deal with mm -hmm. conflict. This situation is teaching us how to deal with conflict because we've been able to get by by like, no, nah, it's okay, man. We ain't going, whatever, bro. Brushing it off. Like, isn't that interesting? It is. How are you handling that? I don't know. Like, I, I haven't put a ton of thought into it because I think I avoided things early on. And like the teacher one's one example of going in grades like to, to avoid that. And then I, of course, enjoyed the success that brought and the praise of, of being smirked. But I was very lazy. Yeah. I was very lazy. And yeah. I think that was part of it's that perfectionist thing, too. <sighs> To where, because you're afraid of oh. failure, I think I still deal with this. I'm afraid of failure, so I just don't do stuff. And then what does that do? It makes you fail. It's the it's that spiral. Like there's a lot of things I don't do or put time into because I'm afraid that it won't be perfect and yeah. great. Oh, what are some really of those a lot things? of composition. A lot of composition. I've never been really. Afraid. I swear I was a good musician as far as like a good instrumentalist, good student. Maybe a year and a, two mm -hmm, years, mm -hmm. the beginning of undergrad that I talked about where I needed mm -hmm. to catch up. I was practicing, me and my friends, we had what we call the late night practice crew. So we'd practice out on the day and like every night, yeah. 1030 to midnight, we closed down the school. We'd go in and practice. And I stuck it in. I put in the work. And even then, That's I so kind of, you know, once I got to a certain level, I kind of trailed off. And so even going into a Juilliard, I didn't write a ton of music there. What I did write, I liked there, but I on the grand scheme of things, it's very little. And even since being out of school, it, I go long spats of time without really writing anything because yeah, even be, even being aware, too. same thing with you, you know, you'll go months without doing things. Yeah. Without yeah, even opening up logic. Tons of practice. Except, yeah, for, this. except for this podcast. <laughs> uh, but even now there's things I have put off for a long time. And I, mm -hmm. I know why is because it's, I'm lazy and it's hard work to make something good. And unless I am, mm -hmm. unless like either I remove barriers or the sense of a deadline or something else overrides that fear of failure, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Dude, that's so common, bro. That's so common. I'm talking to people in this business class, every single one of them who have built mm -hmm. successful businesses already or teachers at institutions. They're people that are 10 years older than us, 20 years older than us, 30 years older than us, 40 years older than us. They feel this. They feel this exact same thing. This thing mm -hmm. never goes away. It's that uh, that Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield book, The War of Art. I, I'm literally- resistance. <laughs> it's I don't want to move my camera. My laptop Bro. is on top of that book to lift it up. Yeah. Like my, I'm touching the book right now. <laughs> I brought it with me. <gasps> That's how much you it. value it. You need to take it, put, replace it with another book. That might be the biggest metaphor for like fear of That's failure. That's you feel psychological, bro. That's the psyche of you I coming out subconsciously. I war on art book and I'm using bro. it as a laptop stand. That sums it up. That's that's even worse than like using the uh, elliptical or treadmill as like a clothing hanger. Your Peloton is a clothing. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's the artistic uh -huh. <laughs> laptop stand. Bro, my, yes, it my is. Self-help books. Yes, it is. 
I've yes, always had is. this, and I think it's and, and I've too. seen some people really overcome because I know of several people I could I don't want to always dox them, but a good dear friend Saad and my friend Mike, um, other people who are always afraid of and like very self aware of yeah. of like hey like is the faucet gonna turn off on creativity like is was that my last great thing, but with those two and uh, many others of the mm-hmm. people we know. They, they use it as fuel. They keep going. So they're always trying to grow and improve. And neither of them have ever really stopped accountability stuff. So they push through. It's it's kind of like they have, even though it's a negative thing, like they, they don't have the full package of the perfectionist anxiety. And they have the, the, the great blend of always being worried about things being good. But yet they're not getting stopped by it it's it hasn't gone far enough to stop them mm-hmm. and then they create these amazing things like those two in very different worlds are very efficient they do the scheduling they they take care of themselves they're very self-aware of like hey does this suck is this art good am i not good enough is this the end but they don't stop and that's the credit i give them like i do i stop i or i just avoid i need to type a woman in my life, I think. I don't think there's anything great. wrong. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm super type B. So I think maybe you are that too. And what I've learned in these business seminars is important for people like us, mm-hmm. which typically are artists. We need accountability oh, yeah. partners. So I'm proposing something to you. On my schedule at every night, every night, I schedule out because I'm afraid of my friends like texting me saying, hey, you want to play video (laughs) games? Because like I love you guys and I totally do. And I always say yes. I want to create a reason to say no. And I need somebody else to do it with me because I don't want to feel dumb. I've also been trying to build friendships and that's the problem. Like, I feel very alone in building a business. Building a business is very lonely. So I think accountability partners are important. I already have one in my, my in Sarah Kenner, shout out. Uh, she's a really good friend of mine from, uh, from New York. And I would love to add you to it. Every day, I've made the commitment from 7.30 to 10 p.m. to devote that to me. In, in that I will edit. I will do whatever I need to do in terms of like this, what this podcast needs, like uploading a pod to the Dropbox. Would you like to join that with me? And what we can do is we could pick one thing that we want to get better at. And then we just text each other at 7.30 and we'd be like, hey, bro, I'm getting ready to sit down and make a beat. Or I'm sitting down to write a verse. And then you see that and you're like, hey, bro, okay, let me know what you come up with at the end. I'm going to do I, this. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to even too? think of how to like localize. The one hard part, of course, being in a relationship is 730 to 10. Uh, so I might shift yeah. mine early. I think even a challenge just could extend to others. We or can have it just, at a different time. It's async. Like, I'm flexible. Mine's at one time, yours is at another. Uh, I bet, yeah. And, and then we send each other the the, oh, the, I like the proof, though. I got to <laughs> I got to see the guts. Me. I think some Even of that is sucks. actually <laughs> marketing back. It's to 
the schooling times of lessons. Like you had to show up with something. For the most part, I approached. I you approached had to show up with something, poorly. dude. Like I said, I was very bad. I wouldn't be getting the degree in performance degrees. Very bad at it. For composers, very bad at as far as like putting. Mm-hmm. I put more time into the academic things or other aspects of the degree when probably the most important thing I should have been putting more time into like these lessons. And one of my regrets was that lessons are something I had to do. And I just didn't, I I had to use the disappointment of not showing up with something as fuel to get something done rather than the seeing the value of, Hey, if I show up with something I have, I'm going to learn from it. Um, but Hell it's yeah. like using whatever fuel you can, whether it's, I don't think there's a huge difference in, you know, avoiding a negative can be almost, if not just as good as striving for a positive. And so the, the avoiding the shame of having not done anything like with those lessons, as long as you get something done that you can be proud of. Yeah. It's It's more painful. It's it's the opposite of reward bundling. It's the, I wouldn't want yeah, to let you down by if you were like, hey, how's that verse? I don't care if it sucks. Can I just see it? And I'd be like, oh, bro, bro. And you're like, bro, I have this, I have this 16 bar composition that I just created. Mm-hmm. Just like and, and you don't have anything to show bro. for me. Like, don't you care <laughs> Do you about me? me? Yeah. Don't you care you about me, us? Don't you? <laughs> Do you hate me, but- bro? You're not, you're letting point. me I down, bro. I wonder if that's, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, a type B or a I think it's important. Empathy thing or whatever, but I've I've noticed that too. Like I'm very bad about, and you've talked about this recently, I'm very bad about things for me. And I will I will stop doing things yeah. uh, for me or, or as a matter of fact, even for relationships, even for Amy, I've noticed this. It's, I feel bad. It's becoming aware of it. I will stop doing things for us and put yeah. aside time like we yeah. had something scheduled, but hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I have a phone call. So and so called, and I would drop, drop a hat for people yeah. who are less close to me, or who need help mm-hmm. on something than mm-hmm. I would even for me or an extension yeah. of me, Amy. And I've noticed that too. It's kind of a, it's it's weird how that works. I sent you that. I sent you that passage from Overcoming Under Earning, right? Will you will you announce it to the audience? Okay. Yeah. Sure. I will pull it up right now. Uh, because it is in my recent screenshots in my photos. And it's not like I'm saying this preface just to buy time. Here we go. Uh, People who don't value themselves easily slip into codependence, putting everyone else's needs before their own. While it may sound noble, taking care of others at your own expense is anything but admirable. Codependence creates victims. It's like I said this, use me, it's like I had this use me for uh, sign on my forehead, Citalane Hayes, describing her former job in a faith-based organization. I drop everything else, but I had no energy for myself. This is what happens in non-for-profits. People give selflessly because they're passionate about an organization's mission. It's the norm. We believe to think otherwise is selfish. Isn't that crazy? That's such a beautiful passage. And I think it, you know, we can really draw a lot about both of us uh, from that thing. And and mentality, I'm like becoming... We got to shout out the author for for the people listening for the for the faking fam that are listening. It's a book called uh, "Undercoming Over 
Overcoming Under Earning called Bar- uh, by Barbara Stanny. S-T-A-N-N-Y. It's it's a really great read so far. Uh, I love that passage because we, we can see both of us in it and particularly me just like looking back uh, yeah. almost throughout my whole life. Like I, I enjoy when I'm telling my friends, you know, whenever you call me, you need me on a project, I'll be there. I'll help you out. Uh, but yet I don't yeah. do the thing mm-hmm. I need to do. That's my project. I put it off. Like, if it, particularly if it's not directly helping someone else, I put it off. I have a composition. Heck, I got a grant for. I got a residency for. Mm-hmm. I'm just dragging my feet on it. I'm afraid of that perfection. Yeah. And because yeah. it's not someone else's mm-hmm. project, it's mine. I put it off. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, I can yeah. think, I can think on my hand with my two pieces dealing with school shootings. Those are the only ones uh, that I'd say feel like mm-hmm. me projects that I finished and that's two out of five years uh and those were also still for other people Damn, bro. in a way they're for choreographers there are deadlines there are other mm-hmm. things pulling it on there i set aside things that i'm afraid of and don't that's why i don't have a website <laughs> because it's not a everyone be, it's because <laughs> that's the best example like i have dragged the foot oh, i have a website dude. from 2015 that's three pieces on it because I needed that for an application, and then I never updated it since. Why are you? Why are you? Yeah. Why are you afraid of? Are you afraid of gaining an know. audience? Are you afraid in there. Of well, now like, I'm afraid of the just the sheer amount mean? of work, but also uh, like going to assemble years I and mean, years of stuff, and probably in afraid of like even hearing and looking back at what needs to go on there. But a big part of that is because that website, yeah. in my mind, I need to change the mindset in my mind. I know why I'm avoiding it. Let me help you. Perfectionism, putting yourself out there. And also, it wasn't for anyone else. Like, what? what is more you than you than a website okay. for yourself? The mental shift I need to do is understand hey. that that website isn't yeah. for me. It's literally for everyone else except me. It's it's for so me, bro. My, it's for me. It'll make me happy. Because it'll make you happy. It'll make me happy. I like to see happy Trevor. I want to see Trevor blow up and be on the on the cover of Forbes magazine, bro. With my... Wanna, you know, uh, uh, 40 under 40. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Forbes 40 Drew, under Drew 40. Drew hasn't even commented. You know I'm, I'm wearing... Um, we've been, I've been experimenting with these blue light glasses. I look like an idiot. Yeah, dude. Oh, hey, no. You look fly. Put mine on too, so you don't feel so self conscious, bro. Mine are literally yours, blue. Yours, yours, yours look fresh though. Mine, they, <laughs> it's, yellow it's like it's not built for my nose. Amy's looks good on her. We just bought a cheapy two pack off Amazon, and mine, it's like it doesn't fit. It's like the it looks like it's just floating too far out. So I look like, uh huh. See, the problem is I'm like if Superman was dressed up as Clark Kent, except when I take the glasses off, I'm still Clark Kent. <laughs> You're still Clark Kent. No, bro, you look like you look like one of the first interns for Radio Lab back in like 2009. Like you, you just you just started brewing your own kombucha. So he's got the full hipster glasses. He's like he's got a beanie on. He's got a full on beard. Like your boy, we're both looking like real podcasters right now. Except I actually, look like we a do really version. look like podcasters right now, and. We'll let you guys take it. At least our metaphors are getting better. <laughs> or our examples 
Or similes. I look like a Twitch streamer that just is trying everything. I'm wearing a tank top. I'm like one of those (laughs) girls who like has it zoomed in on her boobs. As she's got two webcams, one on her face, one on her boobs. (laughs) Hey, you got to have a live boob cam, dude, if you want to grow. Look, no shame in it. You got to own it if it's your body. I, I, I don't. I just want to be on the record, ladies listening, all all four we, of you. We do love you. Um, no, for real. And like, if it's your body, you should do what you want to do with it. I have no problem. Same boat. It. I'm not here to tell you what, Same you, boat. what to do. Same boat. <laughs> Trevor's Ditto. like, me too. <laughs> like, just, you know, do your thing. And like, yeah, you just, you, and like, in this, in this world, like, just do, do it's what, 2020. 2020, do what you want to do, except go outside, shake hands, be within six feet of each other, um, breathe, cough, sneeze. <clears throat> Make out, if you will, dude. It's like, it's time. It's time we bust out. Michiganders, it's America. time to open up. America, I need to open up. Can you believe that, bro? <gasps> Dude, this is just like 1919. Yeah, wave two is going to be bigger. Oh, man. we get, So if you're listening, just look at history, okay? I know it's crazy being inside this long, but for because we've never done this before. Because back in the day, we didn't have the internet to entertain us. So, of course, people got around and started making out again. And then the second wave killed more Way people more than the first. We have to be patient. It's not even close. It dwarfed the numbers of the war. Damn, I didn't even know that. Dude, like, I think I think World War One was about 50 million people. We're including Armenian genocide. We're including combatants. We're including civilians. The total... Um, people that died from the Spanish flu was over a hundred... Projected mm-hmm. that it's debated, but it was projected to be a hundred million and the majority of them happened in the second wave that's a that's a percentage of the population that's close to black plague levels where it just wipes out where man that's a thanos a third of europe we're talking thanos he's thanos (laughs) sneezed on some people dude how's Denver, well, how's the air? It's looking clean. Oh, speaking of this, we should probably say it because I told I we could have talked about it last week, but I it just didn't even come up. So I've had the COVID. I'm sur- I've survived. I forgot oh, to even mention it. Like yeah, I've, he's a, he's a survivor. Okay, um, cough but on you. But I had everyone in the house had a mild a mild case of the COVID. So it was basically like a long. Cold. I wouldn't even feel like flu. Like I wasn't bedridden. It was more of an annoyance uh, for three weeks. And it kind of came in waves. No one had a fever. Only one of us had a cough. Almost all of us had headaches and sore throats. But it didn't it didn't prevent me from working or recording several podcasts. But we did someone in the house wow. uh, came back positive. And so what they do is like if they know you're mm-hmm. living together, they they know you have it. And we haven't left, and we've been in close contact with everyone here. So if one of us got it, we're all we're all going down with the ship. We're yeah. all on the Titanic playing yeah. the string quartet. <clears throat> and I was playing the cello, and uh, I got it. And <laughs> for the record, for the record. I, I'll, I'll cover viola. I'll sit down who, the chair. who was playing viola? Okay, who, 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 was, who was the violist? Who was the violist? Let's be real. <laughs> who? 
<laughs> I'm not there with you. I know you got to say that because you don't want to alienate the people you live in close to. But when you leave and yeah, you come back to LA, the tell me who the viola, to everyone. Is viola that was. At? Okay, like, that was the first. <laughs> <laughs> Damn but, it! I was trying to give that to you. So but um, the uh, <laughs> so we all got it. But we it was we we were on the lucky side of things, and so until I don't mm-hmm. know if Colorado, it's mm-hmm. very rare to get an antibody test here yet. But we'll try it once we get it. And we were hoping we kind of had it because of what what we were going through. We knew we got off really easy, and like I said, we pod we potted through it all. Uh, if it wasn't for the duration of the of the annoying sickness thing, I wouldn't have even we wouldn't have really thought about it because it never hit a serious mm-hmm. point. Like I said, so we we were fine. No one has to be worried. Um, and that mayor of Las Vegas. Oh, oh what the? Did no. you hear about? Oh, mayor trying to of open Las up Vegas? like casinos. Everyone's got it. Trying to open up. She's like, this ain't China. This is Las Vegas, Nevada. And I was like, so you're saying people can't catch it if you open like, up casinos? That's for that that's for businesses to, to decide. I was plus like casinos, <gasps> like you're you're already what? gonna get something if you're there. Like, I've been to Vegas <laughs> several times. Uh, so crazy. Only, in all in adulthood and only because we got freebie trips uh via via yeah, I've um, been to Vegas. Uh, Amy and the company she works for, uh, like that's instead of like your big money check mm-hmm. bonuses, you get all you'll get some trips that are left over, and because Vegas is close to Los Angeles, it's it's a great it's probably a good deal for the company to just get a bunch of people trips to Vegas, <laughs> and so we always went, and we even stopped going because it's the opposite of a city for me, but I will say it's the food. There's a lot of food. Mm. It's it's definitely worth go. It's like you gotta go like once to just look at it, see what it's about. But it's it's not the place for me. It's kind of like a large hot Times Square, and I'm not a fan. Yeah, there's yeah. like spider people. It's, we got the Spider-Man, same. We got the same people. We still got Smoke Elmo. And Elmo mm-hmm. uh, except, but what they do have is oh, they have those, those mist. They'll have the yeah, so because it's so dry, so like if you, it's hot, it's like a dry heat. You walk into the mist. It's and like if you guys, if, right you, if you if you've never orgasmed, really go stand mm-hmm. in a hundred and fifteen Vegas heat wave, and then walk through the mist, boom, naked, instant orgasm. That's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the quarantine version <laughs> of, of out, getting off. Going to a place these days by yourself, just just. Get out and get get out but, in the sun. Yeah, Vegas, it's fun. There's a lot. It is actually <laughs> you can. It can be a great place for kids and families too. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Oh my god! Can I tell you a dirty joke? Uh, can I tell you a dirty joke that uh, a friend like of the jokes. a friend of the pod? Can, okay, so this is a friend of the pod. Can you? I'm gonna tell you this joke, and I want you to guess who. I'm ready. Who sent it? Okay. Okay, and and for and for young young listeners or uh, you know moms, this is like a I guess if you're listening to it with your kids, like this is a, this is a pretty raunchy joke, Fast but it's hilarious. Okay, uh, for, yeah. Okay, so here we go. If having sex with three people is called a threesome, and if having sex with four people is a foursome, then we <laughs> handsome. <laughs> 
Such a dad joke. Okay, so I want who, who guess said who, that? Guess who said that? They haven't. They haven't. They haven't been on the podcast yet, but they they might have been uh, indirectly oh, on some, the podcast. Uh, marimba in the background. Is that <laughs> no, 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 no? It wasn't. It wasn't. Wasn't my housemate. He's an instrumentalist. An Just tell me. I won't. Uh, it's it's a uh, oh Mr. yeah Mr. we've had, we've had a, a, Mr. a phone Mr. in Ken. in phoning it in yeah we had him on a phone maybe what we should in. do is yeah start dragging isn't people. that a great we joke start phoning it in with more people and just drag them <laughs> onto our show because everyone's at home now why not the schedule should be <laughs> I know right I know I we uh we had a full smash off the other day and that was not <laughs> sexual at all we were playing Super Smash Bros. It was me, Nathan, mm-hmm. John, and oh my Ken. God, that's everyone. And we have a we have a we have a group chat. So, bro, this is more peer pressure. Because I'm also gonna start streaming some Super Smash Brothers. If you guys want to play, if you're a faking fam member, if you want to play some Super Smash Bros with me, like <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna I can direct you to my Discord. Uh, we can make it into the faking fam discord. We can figure it out. But uh, yeah, let's play some Super Smash. I'm trying to get Trevor to realize this is audience engagement. You know what I'm saying? You got to invite your listeners in so you you can can, give them the smackdowns. They can know what time it is. They can know what time it is. You can crush their dream, their hopes and dreams, right? That's what uh, audience engagement is all about, is ruining their lives. Making them feel smaller them about themselves because place. of a video game. But that's why we work <laughs> out because I always lose. But then I look in the mirror and I'm like, at least, at least I'm not there you go. See, slobbing. That's, yeah, that's got to be at least the I'm real doing perk something. Of, just like, of just like working out because like no matter how bad yeah. you do, be like, hey, it looks to look good. <laughs> It's like I bombed, I bombed that control. Bro, I mean, at least I could probably do a backflip like the dude. (laughs) No, look, okay. Women are visual creatures too. If you want a female audience. Look like a snack. The Chris Brown. Who got to hang out with women like Rihanna? Chris Brown. Mm -hmm. That dude's in shape. Nick, well, Nick Cannon wasn't with Rihanna, but he was with Mariah Carey. He's, he's in, in shape. shape. You he's see him all shape. over billboards here. You know, I didn't who know is everybody, he was in shape who, until you see the billboard and you're like, oh, that dude's jacked. I know, and you're like, also Whoa, how old he Adam is because he looks like a child. Adam Levine. Yeah, I know it keeps you young, bro. Yeah. But that's genetics. That's just what happens when your natural selection uh, over many generations of. Slaves. There's got to be a trade off. Like <laughs> you get really like, that's good a lot genes. of bad stuff. Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta at least look good for forever. The, they built a nation, bro. I mean, it's yeah. a. I'll, I'll take it. We built this <laughs> nation on these biceps. On my, on my, my fresh and toned arms. <laughs> look, look. I think. I think that. Um, I think that. I really, really just want people to know out there. And I, I don't know if this is going to be my my uh, George Washington 
you know, farewell speech for for the episode mm-hmm. <laughs> or the cosmic, the cosmic, perspective. The cosmic perspective, right? The cosmic perspective. We got to figure out. Okay, no, this is like we got to name this. And we though. change the tone of our yeah. Voice. This is my yeah. This is the uh, you know we these are the scribbles. These are the scribbles. Jot, jot you know, this. this is faking notes. I'm just scribbling here, okay? Jot I'm jotting it down, you know? Uh, this is a very difficult time. And because it's a difficult time, it leads us to be vulnerable in our brains. We're scared. And so we are emotional beings, and we need to also recognize that rational thought is still very important. And the way to really kind of combat this fear is to also pay attention to what you're feeding your brain. If you're feeding your brain garbage that is fear, that is, you need to distance yourself. Take a day, meditate, just be out in the yard, be out in the sun, get away from, your life is great. We are doing okay. There are a lot of people where life isn't great. We have real heroes on the front lines right now, fighting to save our communities, putting themselves at harm's in harm's way without adequate equipment. We've said it before, I'll say it again. They are literal heroes. And, I, and for that, I'm so thankful. And I think we should all be thankful. So how we, are we going to waste their efforts by hoarding toilet paper? You know, are we gonna, are we gonna panic by all this food and, and, and all the resources? Or are we gonna be calm, realize everybody's going through it and realize that we will get through this and then 10 years down the road, you're, people are gonna ask you, what were you doing during Rona? We got through it, it changed the country for the better. This is what I'm dreaming. Changed the country for the better. The podcast blew up, right? What? Yeah, of course the podcast blew up. But what I'm saying is like, what did you do during the quarantine? Did you did you freak out? Did all you do was watch Netflix? Did you waste your time? Or did you reconnect with your yourself, your spirituality, your friends, your family? Did you get perspective? Did you panic? Or did you really use this time to grow because the world is stopping this is a be- this is like the hyperbolic time chamber in dragon ball z you know when a cu- like a couple seconds in real time actually equates to 30 years or something in the hyperbolic time chamber i'm just being i'm just exaggerating but that's what it's going to feel like we're going to start we're going to start back a few steps so if you could arm yourself with tools to start ahead when the dust settles, you'll look back and be proud and know that you didn't panic, know that you this was a really enriching experience. And we can look to the healthcare workers when we then build the economy to support them and we build programs to support them, they'll be so happy for it. Like if we make our albums as artists, and then they listen to those albums as they're working or as they're trying to decompress from such a traumatizing time in their lives. It's worth it. We, we'll, that'll be our thank you. So that, it's I worth like that. it. And, and, so, and, and don't think about worry it, if, you, if you've do it. done nothing or been stressed out through all of this so far. 
it looks like we're going to have plenty of time, but I like that, mm-hmm. the idea of connect with yourself, plenty. think about what you can do for others. But, you know, the opportunities like this are few and far between, and and connecting with yourself can be doing nothing. It can be improving some aspect of your life. It can be reconnecting mm-hmm. with others to feel yourself. But it's an opportunity. We're all going through it. Um, it's up to you to take advantage of it in any way you see fit. But I kind of like the idea of, you know, using this little a little mini reset and retooling yourself so that when this is over, and it will be over at some point, <clears throat> that you can kind of come out of the gate refreshed or retooled or reinvented and you'll know that everyone else has gone through something similar to you this is a rare shared experience uh so thanks again everyone uh thanks for jotting that down true and we miss you faking fam mm-hmm. continue to write mm-hmm. in we love what Thank we've you. done so far and we will do a bigger maybe we'll make that the next the next thing yeah. is like just a big kind of a real mail session I like that. But I like we love that. you, everyone. I like stay that a lot. safe. And yeah. also, um, yeah, stay safe and and don't don't let people jump in, in your emails asking you to play for a virtual orchestra. Don't let the volume make you want to move to Africa <laughs> like Dave Chappelle. It's okay. It's okay. You're fine. You're fine. We love you. Peace. Peace. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> like the it's That's like good how you say wait it, yeah. it's like a, a kind of concern but absentee father you're, you're fine. fine you're fine don't worry about it. you're fine bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>